Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, I really want to thank you for joining us for LFC Online and for this teaching time. It means the world to me that you would connect with us. And I hope today's teaching will make a difference in your life and make much about Jesus. You know, this past week, I sent out an email to every email address that we had in our database. And I wrote a letter about love and how it needs to be maintained. Like we take care of our houses and we uh, do upkeep. And so we need to invest in a heart that we have to love other people. And I asked people at the end, why don't you share with me how God has been using you to love others, to serve others? Uh, One man wrote that he was reluctant to serve. Uh, He'd been hurt in the past, uh, had been a, a part of another church, and some things happened that didn't go well. But during this COVID season, he's decided to make himself available to serve. And he actually began to reach out to someone he'd lost touch with and said, every week, we're going to talk together. And not only do they talk every week, they meet together for coffee. And God's been using him to encourage this other man and that other man to encourage him. Uh, Somebody else wrote that they stopped every day now to praise God. Actually, they said, I have... I had times where I didn't notice things that God had provided for me. I had forgotten what God had done. And I have determined that I'm going to praise him and be more attentive to the things that God has done. I've also determined which people are alone. And I began to reach out to those who've been isolated. I pray before each phone call and I ask God to help me to be an encourager, to say the right things. And I use my skills as a good listener And I'm there for them. Sometimes the calls are an hour or even 90 minutes, but that's okay. I've been more available, said someone else, to help others and ensure that they know that I'm available by calling, by texting. I've even helped friends who are sick. One other person wrote, and I think this is just magnificent. I helped a recent widow find a tenant for her vacated rental home. I advertised it, I showed it, I screened the tenants, and I even helped in preparing the lease. She'd never done this process before and couldn't take care of it due to an illness. And so I was able to serve her. I think that's a magnificent thing. And then someone else said, I invited someone to the outdoor venue at LFC, and they came with me wearing their mask, but they felt God's love and encouragement. I've never invited anyone to church before and never told anyone to meet me there. But they came, and after the service, we were able to talk about the songs and the message and so much more. I know God has more for this person, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Well, there were others that sent in emails as well. Thank you to all of you. But here's what I want to remind you. The work that we do matters, and God will continue to give you strength to persevere. Where can you add value to other people's lives? Where can you make a difference, especially in this season? Now, in this series, Encounters with Jesus, we learned how Jesus turned lives around. No one was the same. Nicodemus, Nathaniel, the shame of the family that ran out of wine at the wedding of their daughter, the blind, the lame. 
And then even after Jesus dies on the cross and rises again from the dead and ascends back to heaven, he comes to a man named Saul by the power of the Holy Spirit and transforms his life, gives him a new name, calls him Paul, the one that wrote the majority of the New Testament. And the list goes on and on and on. People came to Jesus needing help. But in our narrative today, we're going to find Jesus confronted by Satan, and we learn what he did to help himself in the midst of temptation. Jesus has this encounter, and we know this, that the tactics of the devil are to bait us into believing the lie. Whenever we lose confidence in the truth, we gain confidence in the lie. If it sounds to be too good to be true, it probably is. But every lie comes with a price tag. Think about some of the costs you've paid in your life by believing what was not true and by putting your confidence in a lie. Today, we're going to walk through an encounter with Jesus. He's spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting. His tummy is growling, no doubt. And he's been isolated from people. He's longing for fellowship. But he wanted to have 40 days of distraction-free intimacy with God. And after all, in Matthew 4, it tells us that Jesus was led by the Spirit to be out in the wilderness. The temptation of Jesus is a battle of belief, a battle of truth versus lies in which is trusted more. What is trusted more? Well, in Matthew 4, 1, we see that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I always wrestled with this. I mean, why would the Holy Spirit, whose first name is Holy, lead Jesus, the Son of God, into the wilderness so he could be tempted? You see, God was up to something to fortify the flesh of Jesus himself. And temptation is an appeal to fulfill a God-given desire in a God-forbidden way. When I think about this, I, I remember being a, a leader at a youth camp where we talked about, and this is PG-13 now, we talked about sexuality among young people. And one young girl raised her hand and she said, I have a question, I have a question. How far are we allowed to go? And I said, wrong question. She said, what do you mean wrong question? You said we could ask any question. I said, the question is wrong because you want to find out how far you can go with your big toe on the line. How far can I go? Now listen, God was putting something inside this young lady that someday, if it was his will, she'd get married and maybe have a family. But here's the thing, that a God-given desire for something that's future could have been grabbed in a God-forbidden way by her falling into fornication or promiscuity. It's not God's best. Now, some people say that God is a cosmic killjoy. He wants to take all our fun away. But the truth of the matter is God wants us to walk in a pathway of truth, in a pathway of righteousness for his name's sake. And why? Because life works best when we have close intimacy with God. And life works best when we live in obedience. In the case of Jesus, the lie was the temptation of a shortcut. Temptations are always allure 
to a shortcut because temptations connect to a deeper inner need, as we'll see in just a moment. At the heart of every temptation is the battle of belief. And here's what we can say. Behind every sin is a lie that we believe. Now, back in 2004, some of my dear pastor friends got caught up in a very large Ponzi scheme that was pretty much held down in Los Angeles and Orange County. Some of my pastors invested their entire life savings. Another pastor is in retirement. And one dear lady who was a part of the Foursquare denomination, whose husband had died just a few years before, took the entire sum of his life insurance and invested it into the Ponzi scheme. Initially, this fund was paying between 18 and 23% return. Now, without me going through how the Ponzi scheme works, no doubt you know how it works. Uh, you've got current investors and you get other investors to come in at a higher rate than the previous investors. And you take that money to pay them and you take some of the money for yourself. And eventually the house of cards fall. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Many of you may remember <laughs> Bernie Madoff. I always say he made off with lots of money. $64.8 billion with a B. And he was sentenced to 150 years in prison and was ordered to pay $170 billion in restitution. Over 4,800 people lost their shirts by believing a lie. Now, most lies are spotted right away, but some are candy-coated and pretty slick and sneaky. In this very real encounter with Satan, watch how the battle between truth and sneaky lies plays out. We go to Matthew 4, verse 2 to 4. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. When he was most hungry... Satan tempted to exploit his hunger, his unfulfilled desire. Now, there's no sin in turning rocks into bread. I mean, Jesus took the little loaves and the fishies and multiplied them. There'd be nothing wrong with him making some bread out of rocks. It's not a sin. But the temptation was to serve this moment of intimacy and take it away. To take this moment of intimacy with God. He's fasting again to be with the Lord. And would Jesus be willing to trade that intimacy with God for a quick fix of some buttery bread? I mean, wanting to eat is a good thing. But what happens when we respond to the hunger within? Answer that question for yourself. What do you do when the hunger within rises? And I'm not talking about a hunger for pizza or a hunger for tacos or, or some buttery bread. I'm talking about a hunger that pulls you away from God. See, the devil always knows where to hit us. Matthew 4, verse 5 to 7 says, And the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, 
throw yourself down. Jump down from here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, but it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, Jesus was fully surrendered to the Father's care and the Father's plan. At this moment of physical vulnerability, Satan used a wedge of doubt in an attempt to get him to lose his confidence in God's goodness. Well, the lie is this. If you are who you say you are, if God really loves you, he wouldn't let anything painful or devastating happen to you. Now, Jesus did not jump down. But if you go forward in his life, you'll find that he jumps down into suffering of the cross to carry the entire guilt and shame of people like you and me and the entire world all at once. The cross, the most excruciating physical death imaginable. And the devil wanted to detour Jesus from his true purpose and assignment. And he does the same with us. Hundreds of thousands of people were in Jerusalem at this time. And it was a, a time of festival and celebration. So everyone was there for this major event. Jump off the, ta the, the temple, and, and, and as the scripture says, God will send angels to protect you. You see, Jesus, I can give you notoriety that you don't have today. You're out here in this obscure desert, but I can get you inside the top of the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem, where hundreds of thousands of people are, and they will begin to recognize who you are. This was not a get-rich-quick scheme, but it was a get-famous-quick scheme. And Jesus didn't fall for it. Matthew 4, 8 to 10, And again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said, All this I will give you. Isn't it comical that the devil didn't own any of it? Jesus owned it all already. And oftentimes the devil tries to give you something that you already have, or that's available to you through God and His Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you will bow down and worship me, you can have all this. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. Boy, that's a great line. Get away from me. For it's written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. I will give you all this. It's not even His to give. Satan tempts any effort he can to pull us away from God and when we think about temptation, it is essentially a trial or a test of our fidelity, our loyalty to God. Behind every temptation is a lie. Now let's give Satan some credit here. He's great at what he does. Overcoming temptation means that we expose the lies of the devil as he comes to us. And isn't it amazing that the devil himself quotes scripture? He knows exactly what Deuteronomy says. He knows exactly what God had promised to Jesus. And there was work that God was doing on the inside of the flesh of Jesus. Remember, he's very much God and very much man. It's a purifying work. Jesus never sinned. But God is doing this purification work in this thing called humanity, the flesh that he has. Jesus, no one's going to know you out here in the desert. No one's going to ever understand who you are. And so he begins to go after him 
and tries to get at a heart motive. Maybe you remember the old song, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Now, I'm not going to sing it to you. It's been sung by Luther Ingram and by Bon Jovi and by Rod Stewart. Catch these words. If being right means being without you, I'd rather live a wrong-doing life. Your mama and your daddy say it's a sham. It's a downright disgrace. Long as I got you by my side, I don't care what your people say. Your friends tell you there's no future in loving a married man. If I can't see you when I want to, I'll just see you when I can. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Am I wrong to fall so deeply in love with you, knowing I have a wife and two children depending on me too? Am I wrong to hunger for the gentleness of your touch, knowing I have someone else at home who needs me just as much? <laughs> now, I read those words and I thought, man, this is the philosophy of many in our age. Now, another PG-13, get ready for this statement. What is your most important sexual organ? Pastor B. Well, let me tell you what it is quickly. It's your mind. It's your brain. <laughs> it's what makes you different from all the other mammals because you can choose your actions, behaviors, your responses. When you live by your hungers and your passions, you disengage your brain and fall for temptation. We grab a hold of a lie or a facade. People who live by their appetites, they feel, they act, then they think. That spells fat. We feel, we act, we think. It's like uh, shoot, ready, aim, right? We feel first, we act, and we think. And Jesus models for us in this encounter with the devil himself that we don't need to go on our feelings. He was hungry. We, we, we don't need to go on our feelings. He had yet not really been lifted up as Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. What we need to do is, well, we need to think first. We need to think with all of our thoughts tied deeply to the scriptures. How, how do you deal with compulsive moments? How about, let's just use a safe one, compulsive purchases, you can't afford it, but you want to have it, so you figure out a way to buy it. You know, it used to be the longest car loans that people could get were four years, then they went to 60 months, and they went to longer than that in 2019. The average new car loan, are you ready, is nearly 70 months, and some lenders now are offering 84-month auto loans, and if you've got good credit, you can even go longer. Well, you mathematicians, figure out how much interest you're going to pay. You're going to buy the car two, three, sometimes four times over if you're not careful. Now, it's never based on what we can afford. The old uh, car dealers used to say this, well, what, what can you afford per month? Then they would just give you more months to pay. But now it's like, you need this car. You deserve this car. You should have this car. And by the way, uh, I'm not poking any fun here or, or putting down any car salesman. I've got dear friends who sell cars. But the truth of the matter is, they'll tell me this, and here's what they've told me. It's oftentimes the impulse. They see the car. They, they see the item. They see that, ooh, wow, look at that. 
and we go off of our feelings. Then we act or we sign and then we think, oh my gosh, what did I do? Satan was appealing to Jesus's feelings. Now, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay and it will cost you more than you want to pay. Matthew, the close friend and the follower of Jesus, who wrote this biography of his life, is making a reality crystal clear for us that no one is exempt from the challenges, the pain, the struggles, and the suffering. Jesus is the best person who ever lived, and he wrestled through challenges himself. So if you're a note taker, write this down. Number one, entrusting yourself to Jesus doesn't guard against suffering it guarantees it. It guarantees it. Following him means there will be times that require going against the flow and not riding with the tide. You may be the only one standing for what is right and righteous, but you stand. We stand for him. You think about his church and people that are coming even against the church in the day in which we live. We have to stand our ground because we stand on the truth of Jesus. So here's the question. How did Jesus fight back against the lies of temptation? And here's the answer. Jesus didn't quote scripture. He trusted it. Now, it's great for you to quote scripture. But the best thing for you to do is not only quote it, read it, quote it, read it, memorize it, quote it, but live on it, trust it. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil attempted to exploit Jesus's hunger, but Jesus responded by saying, what God says is enough for me. The devil attempted to exploit God's promise for Jesus. Throw yourself down. Come on, let's see what God does. Does he really care for you? And Jesus answered, Matthew 4, 7, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Though he's trustworthy, God is not to be put to the test. And the devil attempted to exploit the position and place that Jesus knew was rightfully his. He expressed trust in God's plan and purpose. No shortcuts. Where you lead is enough for me, God. Where I am is all right by me, huh? Matthew 4.10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it's written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When his desire for relationships with others was exploited, remember he'd been alone for 40 days, as I said earlier. Jesus expressed his trust in God the Father. The power of quoting scripture is not saying it out loud, though that isn't bad. The power of quoting scripture is, I trust in what I'm saying, because what I'm saying is God's word. And the second thing I want you to see is trust, trust more is better than try harder. Trust more is better than try harder. If you've made the struggle with temptation primarily about willpower, you know the vicious cycle of that. <laughs> Will I have any power? Will I be able to stand up against this? But when you trust God inside, when you trust his word more, transformation begins to take place and take shape from the inside out. It begins with belief and it's an inside job. Forgiveness and freedom from guilt don't come from trying harder. They come from trusting him more 
and putting our hope in his salvation. So as I get ready to wrap this up, let me remind you to trust in Jesus and then trust in his example. Somebody might say, well, I'm going to try to follow the example of Jesus. Well, you can't really follow the example if you haven't first and foremost trusted in him as your Lord and Savior. We trust in him and he forgives and saves us and he places his spirit within us and he works in us with the courage to simultaneously trust in him. To conquer temptation, be willing to resist the devil and let him flee. Be willing to take the cravings of your flesh and squelch them down. Choose to follow Jesus and the path that Jesus is on and not your own. Regardless of what comes, say this, I will not compromise. I will not deviate from the path that God's put me down. I will not fall down, but if I do fall down, I've already decided I'm going to get up again and follow Jesus until death separates me from planet Earth. It's really a decision in the Lord. Now, we've talked about this incredible temptation that Jesus went through, and I want to give you encouraging word before we pray. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. And it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, now watch this, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, the word that we trust. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And that word need, I think we could also change to our time of temptation when we are tempted. Now, if you heard me speak to you today about Jesus, well, I have. And if you've also heard Jesus speak to you in any way, shape, or form, and you've not yet surrendered your life to him, I want you to say yes to him today. It's the most eternal decision you will ever make. And if you're giving your life over to Jesus, we would love for you to connect with us. And you can text Decide Jesus to 94090. Decide Jesus, all one word. And when you get a response, let us know how we can help you. If you're giving your life to Christ, we want to celebrate that. If you're struggling with temptation, we want to be able to pray for you. If you want any other assistance at all from us, we want to help you. See, Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So here's our prayer. Lord God, it's our prayer that you'll give us the courage to live by every word that comes from your mouth. And when it comes to temptation, keep us on your path. Don't let us be deceived by shortcuts or set our direction by a false feeling or desire that is not of you. Or it is from you, but it's not time yet. Lord, we give you praise. Your life and your truth excite us. The world is in need of courageous people who will stand on what is right, what is true, and what is just. People who will deviate from the crowd and be lights in our dark world. Lord, we can only be that as we choose to follow you on the path on which you lead us. And as we make your word the truth by which we trust 
and the truth by which we believe. We make our decision ahead of time, Lord, to stand on your promises, your authority, and on your word. It is in Jesus Christ's mighty name that we pray. And together, would you join me with an amen, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you again. If there's anything you need from us, please let us know. We'd love to pray for you. Our prayer team is always standing by. And if uh, you've been in the chat room today, the live stream chat or Facebook Live, and you've yet to comment, why don't you leave a comment there so our team can follow up as well, at least say hello to you and, and like the fact that you are with us. I hope to see you this Tuesday night as we go into our next installment in the Book of Psalms. We'll be on live stream and also on Facebook Live, 6 p.m. this Tuesday. God bless you. Have a wonderful week and let's stand on the truth of God. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.